I'll give you the stats, I promise, but I first want to challenge your mind's eye with this question. Did George Pickens find something over the final month of this past NFL season? Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also cover the other two teams in town and offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates as well. George finished strong. I don't think anybody could dispute that, but it was an unusual methodology to the finishing strong. A couple of different factors in this that are kind of fun to revisit. If you go back to the home game against the Bengals two days before Christmas, George had four catches for 195 yards. This was, of course, the first game that Mason Rudolph started. Four catches for 195 yards, including that 86-yarder off the slant. Just everything that you would want George to be, he was. Following week, they fly all the way out to Seattle. Seven catches on nine targets for 131 yards. Just Damage all around. Nothing the Seahawks could do to contain him. Great stuff. January 6th, that ridiculously cold, wet game that I still don't think should have been played in Baltimore. George had nothing. No catches, no targets even. He had that one kind of token-ish end around just so that he could touch the ball. But even that one showed a different side of George because his teammates, not just his coaches, but the guys in the locker room had been letting him know, John Harbaugh is not going to let you be a factor today. He's going to put people all over you. He watched the tape against the Bengals, against the Seahawks, and, and you will not be doing that. In Baltimore, if the Ravens are going to go down, it's going to be because somebody else beats them. It's going to be because Deontay Johnson beats them or because the Steelers run the ball or whatever. It's not going to be because of the most obvious guy. That's just the way Harbaugh's always operated. So you know, I'm there in Baltimore and I'm, I'm thinking about this already in the press box. As nice of a W as this was for the Steelers, as vital as it was ultimately for them to get into the playoffs, I'm still thinking, man, George is going to have a hissy fit over this. Look at all these goose eggs across his line. Go downstairs. He's in the best bleeping mood, and they're really whooping it up. And I don't blame them. You know, rough, strange season for them, and they've got the selfie cameras going on. Music is blasting. Nick Herbig's, like, losing his mind. And there's George whooping it up just like everybody else. And at one point, while I'm interviewing someone else near George, Mason Rudolph comes over to George, gives him an embrace and says, hey, man, I love you. And George says something similar back. I don't remember the exact wording of his. But what I would hear eventually was that the team really rallied around George's selflessness in just going and doing his job. He knew and they knew that by taking two or three Ravens with him, they were opening up the rest of the field for everybody else. And that gave 
Najee and Jalen and Deontay and Mason the room that they needed. That gave, that seemed to Deontay for Mason to throw that ball, that that needle for the 62-yard catch and run. George was the first guy down the field celebrating with Deontay. Something happened. He grew up a little bit. He might have grown up a lot. And then there was more. In the playoff game against Buffalo, the statistics wouldn't blow anybody away. George had five catches on 11 targets, which isn't great. 50 yards, which isn't great. A long of 19, which isn't great. But I saw something in that game that I hadn't seen from him or from anybody throwing to him to that point. And that's that Mason had clearly made up his mind that he was going to hit George no matter what. They were going to run different routes. They were going to come underneath if they had to. There was going to be a trust established that he wasn't just going to be the one-trick pony, the Mike Wallace sprinting down the sideline. And they did that. And, um, well, here's the part you don't want to hear. The other thing that happened over those final four weeks, including Buffalo, was that the wide receivers were a lot more dedicated to running their routes. I do not offer this as praise. I really don't. I think that if you're a wide receiver and you're being paid a lot of money to be a wide receiver, you should show equal commitment to all of your routes. You should show equal commitment to all of your quarterbacks. But for reasons that I can only surmise had a lot to do with their quarterbacks to date, first Kenny Pickett, then Mitch Trubisky, these guys really rallied around Mason, and that included... George, you didn't see all of a sudden, did you notice the confusion routes, the guys running into each other? How about those massive miscommunications? You remember those, the ones where the ball would end up like 30 yards past? And even if that wasn't the quarterback's fault, whether it was Kenny or Mitch, even if it wasn't their fault, the receivers had just kind of, you know, whatevered their way through a whole bunch big part of the season. Saying this again, there's no pride in that. There's no positive in that. But the positive did come in those final four games. And for George in particular, man, a lot of positives piled up. Just imagine if that were to somehow carry over into 2024. When we come back, J1Q... This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. Today's show is sponsored by the Poker Room at Live Casino Pittsburgh. Join them this month for the Daily Hand Hustle promotion, where the first 20 hands will win up to $200. Don't miss the Westmoreland 300 Multi-Flight Poker Tournament. That's March 7th through the 10th with a $25,000 guaranteed prize pool. Plus, join Live for an $8,000 cash drawing on March 24th at noon. Follow them on X at Live Poker WML. Again, that's at Live Poker WML. Live Casino Pittsburgh, located on Route 30 at the Westmoreland Mall. 
Today's J1Q comes from Tom, who says, Hi, DK. The last couple of seasons, it seemed like it took the Steelers four, five, six weeks in to get the offensive line working together with some efficiency. What does Arthur Smith, or really any other coach on the staff, do to make sure they don't have another one of those slow starts in this aspect going into the next season? It's a really good question, Tom. Unfortunately, the best answer on something like that would come from Smith himself, and that hasn't happened yet. He's done one interview, and it was with a team employee for the team website. Sharing some of my own thoughts, I I go back to this past season, and I remember being genuinely disappointed that it took that long for this group to get it together. They didn't have that many new pieces. They didn't have a new scheme. They didn't have a new coach. They had the same Pat Meyer running the offensive line, the same Matt Canada running the offense as a whole. Dan Moore stayed where he was. Mason Cole was still where he was. James Daniels. Chuksa Korafor started out there, obviously. Broderick Jones eventually came in. He didn't exactly hurt the process. But you saw the line getting exposed, and you saw specifically, boy, do I hate to pick on this guy because he's just so awesome. But you saw Cole getting exposed in the middle. And why that happened, I can't say with certainty. Did he not have the right chemistry? the right understanding or feel for Isaac Salmalo to his left? Did he just regress as things sometimes will happen? I thought Cole was so good in his first year with the Steelers that he could have been at least considered for the Pro Bowl. I'm not saying anything now that I didn't say then. But man, that didn't go for him. Seumalu himself, for all his credentials and all his veteranosity and whatever you'd want to call it, he wasn't all that sharp early on. Chooks wasn't all that good. So how much of it had to do with gelling? How much of it had to do with uh, you know camaraderie, getting the new guys into the mix without doing much damage? I, I don't know. I don't know. I do, however, feel that it's fair to share with you that these linemen themselves, uh, you know what I'm going to say here, don't you? You just, you just, you want to just finish my sentence here for me? You know that I'm going to point out that these linemen really went out of their way to say that nothing settled down fully for them until Mason Rudolph was back there holding his pocket and making decisive throws. That's from them. That's their view. From right there at field level, not mine. There were five total offensive linemen in this scenario. All five of them would say this and did say this. So here comes another case, just like the George Pickens one in the opening segment, now with the offensive line, where you ask yourself, why would you open the 2024 season with something that isn't this, because this worked. This allows you to hit fast forward 
on the scene you're describing here. I appreciate the question. It was a terrific one. I appreciate everybody who listens to Daily Shot of Steelers. And we're going to do one more of these tomorrow.